0: Hey, and welcome to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast. Uh, It's me, Terry, as always, and I'd like to welcome you to episode two. And in episode two, what I'd like to talk about is, is something we don't really talk about, but we know exists in boxing, and it's essentially the conspiracy of silence that surrounds the sport of boxing, this culture of secrecy, this idea that, you know, we can keep things under wraps we can sweep it under the rug until everything quietens down and i could tell you all about it but sometimes it's better to to show you what i mean so bear with me a second as i as i start to build the case for why it's incredibly damaging for the sport of boxing.
1: It was put out by loads of people online and in various places, uh, various pliant places. Let's, you know, let's get a bit harsh here. It was put out by people, not quite propaganda, but it was put out, okay, as though he was cleared. He's cleared. Now,
0: that's from the Costello and Bunce boxing podcast, and that's Steve Bunce. You know, you can tell the, the kind of Barry Gibb false setter from, from anywhere. But. What's the issue with that? Jesus Christ, the guy tells us everything and nothing at the same time. You know, you're there waiting for Steve Bunce to give you the big reveal, the name, the story. And all he does is he hints and he alludes um, to use an expression from a guy called Conrad Thompson who has his own podcast called Something to Wrestle. It's all rumor and innuendo. He hints at things without actually telling us what it is. And his boxing fans were not stupid. We know drug tests were failed. We know UCAD are fighting for their existence if this goes all the way. We know all of these things. These things are not rumour really anymore. They're, They're stories that are so pervasive and the people involved in the stories have refused to stop them, which tells you that it's not worth their while to stop them. And as such, you now look at it and you go, maybe there is something to this. <laughs> and paradoxically, Steve Bunce still refuses to tell us who says what. You know, almost as if he feels he's being loyal to the powers that be. He's still a compliant soldier. Steve Bunce will do the bidding of the great and the good. But here's the sad bit, and here's the clincher for me Steve Bunce has form for circling the wagons, Steve Bunce has form for being the flag bearer for the boxing insiders and the journalists. If you remember the Mia St. John scandal and all Mia St. John did, all this you know, woman, middle-aged woman trying to live her life and maybe trying to make peace with some of the choices she made at a young age and all she wanted to do, all she really wanted to do was say, I took drugs and not only did I take drugs, I know other people that took drugs. And what was her response for being so candid and so honest and so open? Unlike Steve Bunce, Steve's response was to attack her. To attack her integrity, to attack her morals, to attack her as a woman. Not necessarily as a boxer, but as a woman. Why? To show the powers that be that Steve Bunce can be relied on to circle the wagons. He can be relied on to to keep the waters murky. I can't be. I absolutely cannot be relied on to keep the waters murky because... When it comes to things such as doping, which we're going to touch on in a second, this conspiracy of silence is dangerous. This is potentially what's leading to people getting killed. This is, look, we don't know if the two bodies that fell not even a month ago were a result of doping. We don't know that, but the worrying thing is as boxing fans were beginning to think it five years ago doping was something we thought was an exception now we expect it now we expect our heavyweight champions to be dirty we're surprised when someone's clean we were all surprised when Dillian passed the vada test because we're like well if he's failed one he's failed them all what i'd like to do at this point i just want to take a second and i just want to go back to steve bunter's independent article where he 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 speaks about the the Mia St. John steroid scandal. And this is these are the words Steve Bunce uses to describe someone who comes out and openly admits that they they took drugs. Not someone who necessarily failed a drugs test. Bear in mind, this is someone who was cleared to box numerous times, fought 65 times. So how many times was Mia St. John cleared to box? You know, to use the Eddie Hearn parlance. You know, she was cleared to box. She was allowed to box and box she did. Whereas... You then look at someone like a Steve Bunt and this is it. Here, here are his words. Mia St John was a sickening cynical cheat and claimed that she was compelled to use drugs because everyone else was juicing. And then he complains that that was the time for her to come forward. But had she come forward at that time would Steve Bunt have also been the same guy who covered up for her, who kept the conspiracy of silence going? Probably you imagine so. Because let's not forget who Mia St. John was promoted by. She was promoted by one Bob Aram, who's now incredibly vocal about doping and sport, which might prove the ultimate irony. Because, oh, and this will come up in another podcast, so stay tuned. Bob Aram has form for some of the dark arts of boxing promotion. You know, but let's go back to Steve Bunt. in the same article again. Let's go back to what he says. In her confession last week, she did her very best to drag down the entire sport, claiming she used masking agents, knew the drug testing protocols, and even, cath- even had catheters of other people's urine for testing purposes. And he describes it as going full throttle, Lance Armstrong. But, you know, here's someone who's shedding light on what actually happens in the sport of boxing. Here's someone who, who lived it who lived it and breathed it, the very criteria boxing people say you need in order to talk about boxing. So here she is, fulfilling the existential criteria for being an expert in the sport of boxing and Steve Bunce attacks her. Why? It's about that conspiracy of silence. And Mike Costello's no better either. He's, you know, these are are company men and you also have to be sympathetic. And I am sympathetic to the Bunce counter-argument, which is, I make my living from this. Unlike you do it for free, guys. I get paid to do this. If I can't do this, I can't feed my family. And I understand part of that. But it's that he never embraces his limitations. And as boxing fans, we need to accept his limitations and stop listening to podcasts like, like, like the Costello and Bun show, because while its oh man, and while it's entertaining in a way that perhaps a word that is original is a sweet. You know, it's a sweet, but it's kind of shit, if we're being honest, <laughs> as is the sherbet Dab and all these other things. A, you know, the, their podcast is like the Space Raider of, of podcasts. It's, it's, it's kind of there, and there's a reason why it's 10p, and there's a reason why you only really have them when you feel nostalgic, because that's essentially what these guys... I mean, that, that's their stock and trade. And so I understand all of this. And as, as boxing fans, it's like, okay, someone's going to make a living somehow, Okay. But the way he he's done this, and that's why he was criticised, and that's why people were annoyed at the BBC approach to the Varda thing, because you had Martin Theobald, and big shout out to Martin. Obviously, people know Martin's a good mate, but I thought the way he covered the Dillian White failing a drug test situation was absolutely brilliant. Ten out of ten for that. Because Martin's been on this journey year after year, and he's seen the the hints, and he's seen the near slip-ups, and he's seen all of these things. And in that one moment, he was able to bring it all together and be honest and say, look, there are people who need to be held accountable. And names were named, and that's what you need to do, because once the names are named, we can ask the tough questions. Without that, we can't do what we need to do. I kind of get it with Steve, you know? Yeah, he's an old man, and he's out of touch, and he doesn't understand what... Younger boxing fans are interested in. He just he kind of gets it, but he also doesn't get it. But I think you all know who I have no sympathy for, I have no mercy for, and I refuse to take a backward step in this, and I refuse to review how I feel, and I refuse to accept that there's any plausible excuse for the way Eddie Hearn has behaved. Look, it's easy to say I'm anti-Hearn. It's easy to say I'm anti-Matchroom. It's a convenient way out for a lot of people, but everything Eddie Hearn has done since it was revealed Dillian had failed the doping test has been borderline criminal. It's been disgraceful, and in any other sport, he would have been pulled up for bringing the sport into disrepute. And look, I have words, and people say I'm pretty good with words, and people say I can do my thing, and (laughs) perhaps it's true. But... Nothing does Eddie Hearn more justice than his own voice, his own words. He, he's, he's his own hangman, and it's a beautiful thing to enjoy. And I just, just, just one example here.
1: First uh, finding in his test, I think that's been widely reported. The issue was dealt with in a hearing whereby he had to provide information as to why that information was provided, and he was cleared to fight by an independent panel, National Anti-Doping Panel, I mean, these are government agencies. They're not just some panel that I blew up on the day before the fire. And he was cleared to box. Therefore, he was cleared to box by them. Therefore, he was cleared to box by the British Boxing Board of Control. He also underwent complete VADA testing in the whole build-up to that fight, passed every VARDA test as well. Some of those tests helped his case greatly in terms of the timing of those tests.
0: No. <laughs> There are so many questions about that. But but the one we want to focus on is the word case. This will greatly help his case. For there to be a case to answer, there has to be a case opened. So then we go back to UCAD's rules. When does UCAD open a case? UCAD opens a case when the A sample yields either an abnormal finding, which is something that should be in your body, but at a higher level than has been recorded in a human body so you know EPO or I'll rephrase it not necessarily EPO because that's the the banned substance a raised red blood cell count so if your hematocrit count which is basically like your number of red blood cells if that's above a certain threshold it's like you know that's not humanly possible unless you basically lived on the moon for a thousand years and then you have adverse analytical findings. This is when you find something that's not meant to be there. And that's your, your trace metabolites. You know, that's your... You know, anything that's not meant to be there, that's your adverse... And so in those two situations, that case is open because now there is a case to answer. Now, if you go back to what Hearn was saying, he was saying this guy was cleared to fight. So why don't we ask the question, how can you be cleared to fight while there is a case to answer? That's the question no one's really getting to here. Why, why was a fight allowed to happen when there is an anti-doping case to answer? It's ridiculous, right? There's a case to answer, and we know there's a case to answer because Team White are saying absolutely nothing, and we're hearing the word lawyer used a lot. But from what I gather, there's been no criminal act involved here, and nor has there been a civil act. So what are the lawyers needed for? They're there because there's a case. And in that case, you're trying to find some kind of tortious misfeasance by UCAD. So you're, you're, you're combing through every last detail to see if they screwed up, as opposed to looking inside yourself and going, when did I screw up? In all of this mess, in all of this hubbub and you know, confusion and noise, the only people who seem to have got anything right have been Thomas Hauser in boxing scene. They seem to be the only people immune from any kind of legal intervention, because if the article was incorrect, who's going to sue them? We haven't seen anyone issue any writ for litigation. It's it's kind of been not brushed under the carpet, because I don't think you can brush Thomas Hauser under the carpet, because he's a respected journalist. If you're a hardcore boxing fan, Thomas Hauser's given you stories that you've told your friends about. It's absolute certain. And in another podcast, we'll touch on another Thomas Hauser story, because... He exposes corruption and all sorts of rubbish that happens in boxing. He's one of the few people that names names. That's why houses feared in boxing. That's why Bunce's loved in boxing. One man names names, one man alludes to things. And dude, here's just a prime example, you know, and a big shout out to Boxing News TV. I forgot to, to give them the shout out for, for actually you know, having a reasonable attempt at interviewing the slippery eel that is Eddie Hearn.
1: There was, there was stuff actually wrong. There was stuff actually right. I've spoken to Boxing Scene about it. And they're like, well, we phoned Dillian White and uh, we asked him for his comments. He can't comment. No one can comment. I shouldn't even be doing this interview, to be honest with you. It's completely confidential between us. It doesn't mean it's confidential forever. It means that whilst this is being dealt with, it is confidential.
0: Now, Let's be absolutely clear. Dillian White can comment on these proceedings any time that he wants. There is no risk of contempt of court this is not a legal process, it's a regulatory process, right? And he, he's more than well within his rights because the confidentiality is only there to protect him. He can waive his right of confidentiality. He can say, actually, I will tell you what I was doing. I can tell you what happened. He has every right to do so. The fact that he hasn't is a fear of self-incrimination, right? That's not a legal issue. That's just a, a survival issue. That's just, And and so with Hearn, you look at this and then you say to yourself, what planet is this man on? Because he alludes to so many things, yet he hasn't really got it in him, to be brutally honest. The worst part of that last clip was Eddie Hearn going, I shouldn't really be doing this interview. So then you go, okay, so if you're breaching a confidential confidential process by doing so, What's your punishment? Why is it you're allowed to do 10 or 20 interviews about the same thing, telling people every time, I'm not supposed to be doing this? Why are you doing it? What exactly are you trying to do by doing it? You're trying to manipulate the media. This is what Steve Buns didn't have the heart to tell you. You're trying to manipulate the media, but boxing fans know this already because this is what Hearn does. This is exactly what he does, and this is exactly why we don't like him. You'd respect the man a lot more if he just took a step back and said, do you know what? This is Dillian's problem. I just want to talk about Joshua's rematch. I just want to talk about my new signings. I just want to talk about matchroom. Right now, Dillian is on his own. Why? Because Hearn has already admitted that Dillian's in a dark place. And there's no shame in admitting that. Look, here's another prime example of it.
1: He has to get this right. At the moment, Dillian White's career is in tatters, right? So he has to make sure that his name is completely cleared and that the public know that he's innocent. Can he do that? I believe so, but there is a process that he has to go through to make that right. He wants to come here today and do 30 of these interviews. It would be the worst thing he's ever done because he's a lot. there's a lot he wants to say, but he has to get it right. If he balls this up and doesn't get this, this next stage right, everyone's always going to just say, oh you're a cheat, you're a cheat. But it's like if you're proved innocent, how can you be? And this is what I keep saying to people about the hearing. Just ask yourself, and that geezer who was coming at me in America, oh, sure. just ask yourself, why did they clear him to box?
0: <laughs> they cleared him to box because they can't stop him from boxing without getting their asses sued and they don't have money. Something you already know, Eddie Hearn, because you check companies' house and you check these things to make sure they don't have reserves. You're not an idiot. But he's right, Dillian's career is potentially in tatters. And yes, he's right, there is a hearing, because look, every so often the truth leaks out of Hearn, and if you, if you sift through all the bullshit, eventually you get to the what is the true picture. And the true picture is, Dillian failed an A sample, there'll be a hearing upon the results of the B sample, which you'd imagine will be the same, and so what they're doing is they're preparing their case now, trying to find experts to do this, and I imagine that their lawyers are still trying to say to you, Kat, let's try and find a way to reach a deal. All very sensible things to do, nothing secret about that, nothing legally sensitive about that. It's just common sense. Because go back to the previous UCAT situation, Fury was a bit more forthcoming. I don't think he threw UCAT under the bus, but he was honest and he was just saying to himself, look, I went through a tough time and these things happened. Fair enough. But he was more open. And this whole closing ranks thing, all it does with boxing fans is it makes us dig. We dig deeper, we dig harder until we get at what we want. And what we really want is Hearn to say, Dillian has screwed up. Because I don't understand how an innocent man incriminates himself by talking. Because there's nothing you can incriminate yourself with. If you didn't take Diana Ball, then there's nothing in you that can come out verbally where you can hang yourself. It's like a murderer. If you didn't kill anyone, how do you incriminate yourself? You don't incriminate yourself. Now... Are we saying that someone set him up? If so, who set him up? Let's get to that point. Ah. But all of this conspiracy of silence, and the reason why this is important is, in sport, this is how the powerful remain powerful. They create these conspiracies of silence. Like if you look at American sport, Mike Tyson, how many allegations of sexual misfeasance and sexual deviance has Mike Tyson had? The guy went to jail. He was found guilty of rape. Now, people say he didn't do it. I don't know. But he was found guilty of rape. And it was after that that so many incidents from his childhood all the way up to adulthood came out about Mike Tyson. But there was a conspiracy of silence because people didn't want to kill the goose that laid the golden egg. And we allow this to happen. You look at American sport. How many athletes in American sport have their their misdeeds covered up? To the point where the only reason you can't cover some of them up is because they're caught on camera. But when they're not caught on camera, hush money's paid and the conspiracy of silence continues. And in the meantime, there are victims of this. In this case, it's Oscar Rivas. He is a victim because he wasn't empowered to make a decision based upon a true assessment of the situation. He wasn't. He went into that fight effectively blind to what was going on outside of him. And he shouldn't have been. He should have been empowered to, to have the same choice Danny Garcia did against Eric Morales. Do I want to take this fight? Yes or no? He might have still taken the fight. Fair enough. But he should have been empowered to have that choice. And they they took that away from him. In the same way that when you cover up sexual deviance, you take that away from the victim. Male, female, child. Doesn't matter. They should be empowered to make the right call based on how they feel. And this is why this conspiracy of silence is bad for boxing. I'm not here to say whether Dillian is guilty or not. I'm not that bothered. What I am bothered about is this idea that we need to circle the wagons and we need to keep the story straight. Meanwhile, when it's someone you don't care about, like Mia St. John, you take an absolute kicking. And let's go back to what Hearn said earlier. You know, if Dillian doesn't play this carefully, the public will always know him as a cheat. Does he realise Dillian's failed the test before? And I don't remember people labelling him as a cheat. We just said, right, he's back. We'll give him another chance until he screws up again. So, once again, he's lying to the fans. It's not true. And this is the sad part about all of this, is that, you know, if Hearn was more honest or if he just took a step back, we'd respect him a lot more. But, guys, here's the most damning bit about all of this. You know... Remember, Eddie Hearn is a guy that grew up in boxing. Eddie Hearn's a guy that grew up around the aftermath of Eubank versus Michael Watson. Eddie Hearn's a guy who grew up in the sport of boxing, seeing various fatalities and injuries and so forth. These have all happened while he's been a fan of the sport. You know. And, and let's remember that's what he is first and foremost. He's originally a fan of the sport. He was before he became a promoter, right? And so you'd imagine... These things would leave a certain imprint in your heart, a moral compunction to do the right thing, to to have a heart and to have a conscience. But I don't think anything gets in the way of a pound note for Eddie Hearn, and, and people will say, yeah, you talk out of your backside, Terry. Yeah, and sometimes I do. I'm not going to lie, I really do. But then there are other times when I let other people talk out their backside. Do you think that was... Morally wrong, now you think you should have informed them or to be professionally honest, wrong at,
1: even? at the time. I mean, one, it's completely confidential, so I can't actually tell them. But putting that to the side, you ask me morally.
0: Legally, is it, is it forbidden for you to Absolutely. do that?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Right? Because it's a uh, confidentiality between you and your client, which is Dilly. Between no, you, Cad. You and yeah, yourself.
1: Th- yeah, it's a confidential case. And anything, if, if, if Dylan White is innocent and that gets out there, essentially, that affects his career when he's innocent. So, at the time, I had to do what I believe was right. And what I believe is right is, Dylan White's got a hearing. If he's cleared to fight, there isn't really anything to tell Oscar Rivas. If he's not cleared, the fight ain't happening. So, could I, on Saturday morning, have gone to him and say, Oscar, just to let you know, there was an issue with Dylan White's drug test, there's been a full hearing, and it's all been cleared. Mentally, that ain't a great look for...
0: I find that disturbing. He finishes the interview by pretending he cares about Oscar Rivas's mental well-being and psychological you know, well-being added to that. But yet his physical well-being is irrelevant, so he's happy to let the fight go on. It's the hypocrisy in the man, and there's only so long he can bullshit the fans before this truth comes out. So just, just dig beneath that. He felt no moral need to inform Team Rivas of know what was going on and he cites confidentiality but that can't be true because had he been suspended he would have had to tell Revers and he would have had to maybe cancel the show right so the confidentiality rule doesn't exist it kicks in I'll rephrase it let's just use logic it either kicks in as soon as the a sample fails right and then it's all confidential but then that would mean that you couldn't let the You couldn't let the opposition know, so you couldn't cancel the fight because that would breach the confidentiality because now we then know that he failed the test. So does it come in after the B sample? I have no idea. What I know for certain is there was no confidentiality rule that stopped him telling Team Revers. There was absolutely none. There's no way a governing body would be allowed to do that because you expose yourself to all kinds of legal liabilities. So this is a choice that was made by Matchroom. They chose to let the show go on and they chose the revenue over the safety of the fighter. That is what we know for certain. And this conspiracy of silence, of keeping fans in the dark, and of doublespeak and hinting and rumour and innuendo is bad because what it ultimately does is it just means we don't trust anything. We don't trust anyone. And the less we trust boxing, the less we're willing to buy the tickets and the less we're willing to watch it. This is why boxing tends to die. When, when the fans are ignored, they move on and do something else. And that might be MMA. And that might be just more people go back to football or rugby. where there's a bit more purity in the sport, it all makes perfect sense. And we'll hear this again. Rest assured, the next time a matchroom fighter has something happen to them, we'll hear the same sort of... You know, backs against the wall and everyone just stick together and we'll get rid of these casual fans asking their questions and these media outlets with their banal questions. We'll get rid of them. And I think this is one of the few times we should keep asking Eddie what's happening with the B sample. It was Eddie Hearn who said that there'd be a process. He's never described this process. He's never described the timings of it. He's never described the nature of it. Is there going to be a second hearing? When does the B sample have to get tested? The fact that it hasn't been tested yet, Slightly worrying because once that comes back positive, they have to suspend him pending a more detailed hearing. So are they going to delay that? There's no point in delaying it for the Wilder fight because until there's clarity around that, I don't think the Wilder fight happens. And the WBC have far bigger coffers than UCAD do. So they are more than happy to, to take on that lawsuit. And also, it would also mean that no match from fighter would fight for WBC belt so you know once again you realize at some point the truth has to come out common sense has to prevail but i just wanted to touch on how embarrassing it is that in boxing there's such a conspiracy of silence that it renders people stupid because they become hypocrites and they become you know just a walking mass of contradiction <laughs> so look keep asking the questions keep pressing these guys and saying look what is happening with the dillian white case we want timelines we want to know when we're going to Get an answer because we want to know if he's clean or not. Innocent or guilty is all we want to know. And then we can all move on. As always, really appreciate you tuning in. Follow me at Highfield Boxing on Twitter. Follow me at Highfield Boxing on Instagram. You know, there's a Facebook page, Highfield Boxing. Not much happens on there, unfortunately. But, you know, feel free to message me, get hold, and let's have that discussion. And, you know, just shout out to all the guys that, that regularly listen, you know, get in touch, communicate. Guys like Danny Whatley, Porky Russ, obviously the good doctor, Winnie King. You know, shouts out to the New Age Boxing Podcast guys. Listen, keep listening to that. Um, one of the things I didn't get to say in episode one is this. The aim of this podcast is almost like a, like a cousin of the New Age Boxing Podcast, where they give you the the big bang and you get everything all in one podcast. I'm just going to scattergun you guys with little bits of, you know, just information and try and take a different stance on what's happening in the world of boxing. But as always, thank you. It's been a tiring day. My voice is going, but really really, really appreciate you guys listening. Feel free to share, feel free to tell your friends to tell their friends and we can all, you know, support the movement.